For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn. Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group will be your guides for straight talk and honest answers about living the life you deserve in retirement. So So prepare prepare to be be empowered. Now, here are your show me the money hosts, Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shade. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Randy, how are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing very well, Jeff. How about you? I am fantastic, thank you. You know, uh, Christmas now is behind us, and we had a great Christmas. We're just ahead of the new year. I hope everybody had a great Christmas out there. We've got a lot of great things lined up for us here in 2024 as far as the show goes. And, well, we've just got a couple of more uh, days here before 2024. Randy, do you do New Year's resolutions at all? In the past, I have a few times, but as a rule, you know, I came from a corporate America background. What we did was always starting about October, we started doing next year's planning. Right. Not uh, not resolutions, but next year's planning. And then we had to turn those in before a year end so that our bosses above us could compile all of our information. And then, of course, put that into his spreadsheets that he had to supply up the food chain. We all got smacked down and said, no, no, that's not enough. You need to do more with less. And pretty soon we were doing everything with nothing. And so so anyway, uh, so resolutions were more like, okay, this is what we got to do next year. So uh, let's buckle up buttercup and how do we start and get it done? <laughs> yeah, well, I think a lot of people do personal resolutions. They're going to, you know, stop doing this. They're going to start exercising. And my experience has been that when I go to the gym, you know, in January, the parking lot's full. Give it till about middle of February. You can park any place you want. But nevertheless, <laughs> that's generally the way it works with human beings. But, you know, it's always good to plan for the coming year. Here this holiday weekend, I'm going to be sitting down. And what I do every year is I figure where I stand with things financially and with my goals for retirement and my my future. And I I put down goals and then I reverse engineer those goals. Here's where I want to be, but then these are the steps that I need to take to get there. Is it the same with financial planning, basically? It absolutely is. You know, we need to always have a plan to work with. You know, we really need to know where people are, what they're trying to accomplish, what's important to them. How do they see retirement? How much money do they want to spend? So that we can, in fact, see if uh, where we are in that whole uh, scheme of planning. And you're right. We find out where we want to go. Then we reverse engineer the plan to get there. And then we monitor and try to stay on track. Right. And from a basic standpoint, I think everybody should take a look at their emergency fund, how much that they have. We've often talked about three to six months of emergency funds just in case something happens. If you don't have that, make a plan to have six months of uh, living expenses in an emergency fund. You know, there are just so many things that you can do to make your life better. It is all up to you. It all comes down to, just like you said, it is having a plan. So that's what this show is all about, is retirement planning. Well, Randy, let's jump into what's happening here in the news. I understand that Jerome Powell says that, uh, hey, next year we might see some rate cuts. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah. So looking back here a couple of weeks back, uh, he spoke, you know, as he does on Wednesday and said, hey, we're going to keep rates where they are right now, which banks borrow from the Federal Reserve now for roughly five and a quarter to five and a half percent is where they get to borrow money there. So you're seeing that CD rates and things that banks around are at four, four and a half, maybe even five or five and a quarter percent. If banks can borrow money now from their uh, depositors cheaper than they can borrow it from the Federal Reserve, that's what they're doing. And so with Jerome starting to push interest rates, up last March, March of 2022, and then keeping it uh, steady here the last, oh, three, what are we, three months, I think, of steadiness, maybe four. Right. You know, and then looking at the fact that right now we're seeing a little bit of disinflation, not deflation. I think we talked about that once before, you know, disinflation is, well, a year ago we were uh, inflating at 9%, and now we're inflating at three percent so we have less inflation right but not really deflation so anyway he said he's going to keep rates uh, where they are for a little while and maybe start to tick those down and wall street of course is always trying to figure out what his next move is going to be and what did he really say between the lines that he's not telling us 
and then they make their predictions. And so Wall Street priced in, and we've seen this in the price of stocks and things, they priced in what they think are going to be three cuts next year. Wow. What does that mean for mortgage interest rates? I know that most people listening to the program probably own their own homes, but there are those people who may want to downsize looking for another home and they may need a mortgage, uh, you know, or they want to refinance. I mean, what does it mean to mortgage rates? So I think that mortgage rates are going to have to come down. They already have some from their high. You know, for a while, Jeff, they were hanging around 8% or so. But now I think nationally it's about 7.22 right. if you have a good credit score. Something that's kind of interesting to go along with that is housing starts are actually up and strong. Now, that's interesting, isn't mm-hmm. it, in the yeah. face of where we are. He's pushing interest rates down. We have record low unemployment. We're creating a good number of jobs. This shouldn't be this way. Right. <laughs> it should be that as we're putting pressure on the economy, we should see things slowing down. You know, we have seen real estate prices nationally come down over the last year. Last number I saw was around 18%. Now, that's mm-hmm. not just across the board. There's certainly pockets of places across the United States where housing prices haven't moved at all. In fact, if anything, they moved up. And one of those areas is down in Dallas really? with all the Californians moving yeah. down there and all the new businesses coming into Texas. I have a nephew that lives just north of Dallas, and he's talking about how the price of everything continues to escalate that has to do with real estate. And we know that nationally they are down a little bit. Markets are looking pretty good right now. We feel like maybe we've turned a corner here to where the market's going to have a little room to run. So it's going to be an interesting kickoff to the year because by now, most all the traders and the people that do any big volume have gone home for the holidays. Yeah, and as far as those interest rates go, as you said, they were over 8%. They're coming down. And I heard one financial advisor that I know who said, well, we probably won't see anything less than 6% ever. But I think you disagree with that, right? Yeah, I, I disagree with that just simply because the world, not just us, but as a nation, we have $33 trillion of debt that we're going to need to refinance over the next few years. A lot of that debt we had financed at 1%, 2%. We can't afford the interest at 5 5 and a quarter, 5 and a half. So we're going to have to re-evaluate that. The other thing that I would say is happening is supply chains are getting better. Now, of course, of late, we've had some uh, renegades over there. Uh, we got nations trying to put together an alliance to fight off some of these, I guess you'd call them pirates. I don't know what else to call them. But, no, that's that's but. what they are. Call it like it is. <laughs> So there's a lot of things always pulling on and pushing on everything, but I really do think that we're probably going to come into a time period here where we're going to see the market start to grow. We've already seen it. We've had a good year in 2023. We were bouncing back from a negative 20% year in 2022. So while the numbers look really great, and if you look at them year to date, they look really great at 20% or so, but in reality, we're probably up 3 or 4% over where we were at the turn of 2021 into 2022. Randy, what are these cuts in interest rates uh, going to mean for bonds? Generally, when we think of bonds, Jeff, and, and it's really confusing to people because when we get a turn on the TV and they say, hey, bond yields are up, they've put their up two basis points, 10 basis points, you know, two tenths of a percent. Bond yields are up. What does that mean? That means that people are actually selling their bonds at a discount, which is what pushes up the yield, right? Because anytime a bond is issued, it has an interest rate attached to it. It never changes. The nominal rate never changes. But the value of your bond, depending on what interest rates are doing, changes on a daily basis. So if interest rates are headed up, which we know that Jerome Powell started in 2022, pushing rates up, As they go up, as yields go up, any bond you currently own that pays less gets devalued. So bonds have been a poor investment for quite some time. Now, of the last 12 or 18 months we've seen with him pushing rates up, they've gotten to be a little bit better. So now if we can get into bonds that are three, four, five, six, seven years, and they're at four and 5%, as he pushes rates down this next year, the bonds that we own are going to become more valuable than they currently are. So that's why bonds could be a good investment for a while. It may not even last a year. It just depends on how quickly he pushes those rates down next year. We're talking with Randy Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about current events. We're talking about the possibility of rate cuts by Jerome Powell in the coming year. And still, Randy, I see these different opinions. Recession is coming. Recession is not going to come. What's your opinion on that? You know, Jeff, if you had asked me a year ago, and you did, and if you'd asked me two years ago, and you did, <laughs> I, I would have said that we're definitely going to have to have a recession. 
I will tell you that now I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, and we've and we've often said this, and every time we've had a negative conversation on here, we're quick to say that we think America is very resilient. The fact that we're entrepreneurs, we're a country full of entrepreneurs still and people that are willing to work and make things happen and get out there and do things in new and creative ways, link existing ideas in new ways to make profitability and make businesses work. We're seeing that in action right now. And I think that it's possible that we might skirt anything severe coming next year. There's going to be some pressure. We're going to feel it some places, but I really think we're going to skirt the big event. Well, I feel pretty good about the economic future. I feel like that, uh, you know, we're heading in the right direction, but still, I'm not going to let my guard down completely. And I think that's the way to go. Just go back to basics and really just have some uh, sound financial planning. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. My dad always told me, he says, Randy, he says, when you go out and you're looking at a project or whatever it is you're doing, he says, plan for the best, right? But always prepare for what could happen, which might be the worst. Right. <laughs> so so, so uh, the thing that I would say to that is when it comes to looking at a retirement plan and a financial plan is what we want to do is set ourselves up in a position where when things are good, we can capture the lion's share of the upside of that. Right. But when things are bad, we don't want to capture much of the downside. And people say, well, you can't really have it both ways. Well, I beg to differ. There are ways that we can have it both ways. You know, most of us baby boomers, of which I'm one, mm -hmm. we all want to have our cake and eat it too. You betcha. <laughs> I remember the Kenny Rogers song, and I think that applies to this. You got to know when to hold them, and you got to know when to fold them. <laughs> you got to know when to walk away and when to run. Talking with Randy Floyd here, Floyd Financial Group. Uh, Randy, let's uh, shift things to a little lighter mode here. We were talking off the air, you know, when we were kids, we used to sing all the little Christmas songs and so forth. But I didn't quite have all the right words to these Christmas songs. I mean, I didn't intentionally do it. And, you know, the most famous Christmas song, I think, is called The Christmas Song. Nat King Cole came yeah. out with that back in the 40s. And, of course, I yeah. believe it was Gene Autry who wrote Santa Claus is Coming to Town. But there were some other Christmas songs that we sort of changed the lyrics to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Christmas song is one of them. I used to sing it, Jack Frost roasting on an open fire. <laughs> yeah, Jack <laughs> Frost on, ripping at your nose, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and then later in that song, you know, it says, later on we'll conspire as we sweat by the, I mean, it's <laughs> by the fire, right? <laughs> and I used to say, we'll perspire or something like that. I had the same thought in my head. I guess we were just yep. honoring yep, kids. Yeah, Jingle Bells. Batman smells Robin laid an egg, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember all of those things. Nobody corrected me as long as I was having fun. That's all that really mattered. But, you know, the number one Christmas song lately has not been any of the classics. It's the Mariah Carey song. Anyway, it is the holiday season. We hope you have had a great Christmas. Of course, New Year is to come, and all good things are expected for 2024. You're listening to the program today. You'd like to get in and sit down with Randy or Jake at Floyd Financial Group and talk about your individual situation. Maybe get on a path that can point you towards a successful retirement, a retirement that could last as long as 30 years. Call this number and get in and sit down and get your complimentary financial plan. That number is 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Randy, time for a break. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for another helping of some more real money talk? Thought so. Now, here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your hosts, Randy and Jake Floyd with Jeff Shade. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about tax planning for 2024 and beyond. And Jeff, you may remember we've already talked about some things maybe 45 days ago that we should have done to button up at the year end. But if you got caught in the holiday season and you couldn't get it done, now is the time to start thinking about these things. That's right. It's too late to do anything for this year, but the best time to plan for 2024 is going to be right now. So let's uh, kick it off that way and talk about some of the things that we need to look out here for at the beginning of the year. First of all, there are some new tax changes coming along in 24 and uh, 25, right? Yeah, there's some new stuff coming out there. They're going to change, uh, you know, the required minimum distribution. They've been changing that and pushing it back from what was 70 and a half, and then it went to 72, and then 73. Well, now it looks like they're maybe going to take it and stabilize it maybe at 73, 
and right. maybe even back it up some. We're not quite sure yet, but uh, uh, Mr. Link was at his year-end tax planning conference and brought back some information for us, as he always tends to do. And he talked about that, and he also talked about the fact that uh, they're going to up the contribution limits. You're also going to be able, as a company, I'm not sure why you would, but as a company, you're going to be able to actually fund a Roth IRA for your people. Meaning, generally, when you set up a 401k plan and you're funding it and your company is matching, what you put in, you can put it in pre-tax, like a traditional 401k, or after-tax into the Roth. But traditionally, all the money that the company put in was always pre-tax money because they wanted the tax deduction. And so, therefore, it really wasn't something that was done. But starting in 2024, they're going to allow for those company matches to be put into the Roth for the benefit of the client as well. And when you talk about Mr. Link, you're talking about Rod Link, who helps you out there with taxes at Floyd Financial Group. And I believe Rod is in the building about one day a week, is he not? Yep, that or more. It just depends on what's happening. But yeah, he's always got one day here that we know that he's going to be here and available. But he's got, as most people know, another business in Nixa. And then he has many clients around the area that he's visiting with on a daily basis. So good guy. Always stays in the know and keeps caught up on all the trends and what's going on with taxes. And we know that the Trump tax cuts could expire at the end of 2025. But for the time being, they are in effect. And the standard deduction for uh, 2024 is actually pretty healthy for a married couple, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost $30,000. Yeah. You know? so, I mean, That's great. Yeah, it's, and then if you're over 65, it's another fifteen or 1800 beyond that. So yeah, right. it really is pretty good. So what it does is it puts people, Jeff, in a position where you can make $117,000, $119,000. And just with the standard marital deduction, you can still land in the 12% tax bracket for the Fed. Which is pretty good. Which means that you know, on that first twenty thousand, you're gonna, you're roughly twenty thousand. You're gonna uh, spend ten percent, and then twelve percent on anything over that twenty thousand. So it's a good tax bracket. And then, of course, the state of Missouri has trimmed taxes mm-hmm. here for us. So people are gonna be able to make, you know, as much as about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, and probably pay fifteen, fourteen percent in overall taxes, which is not too bad. No, that is absolutely fantastic. We're in a historically low tax rate right now. But things could change for uh, married people. As you said, that standard deduction, $29,200. For single people, $14,600. So, Randy, let's talk about some of the ways that we should begin to think about planning for taxes in 2024. What's the first one? So, I mean, this could be in any order, and this is not necessarily an order of importance, but I have a list here in front of me. So, number one, if you've considered a Roth IRA or doing a Roth conversion, you should talk to your tax person, whoever that is, or if you don't have somebody that you trust to do that and you really want to get a good feel for what that is, you can have talk to us. We can have Rod run us some scenarios. But if you thought about doing the Roth conversion, two things I would say. Don't wait until you're one or two years from retirement thinking it's going to be a good idea to convert your traditional IRA or your 401k to a Roth because most likely you're just going to put yourself in too steep a tax bracket to really make it work. So I would be talking to people today saying, hey, start thinking about this now. If we're going to really look at this and think about it, you need to have us run some numbers for you so you know if it makes sense or not. But if you've got five, seven, eight years, we can certainly make a big impact in converting some of those dollars to where they will be tax-free as you pull them out of the Roth IRA versus taxable out of your traditional plan. By scattering out over that time, we can generally keep you in the same tax bracket and not cost you any additional tax dollars which does mean that you're really going to benefit big time down the road and for the rest of your retirement years, which may be 20, 25, 30 years of tax savings. Right. So that's the Roth conversion. A lot of people listening are uh, charitably inclined. Is it a good idea to begin to think about charitable contributions this early in the year? Sure, I think so. I think that uh, it's important that everybody you know, start to really figure out, like I said earlier, a lot of people may not be in the budgeting process of corporate America. They work for somebody, they have an idea of what their income is going to be, and they have an idea of what they want to contribute to. So it's never too early to start planning that. Every year at our church, we have this thing called Vision Sunday, and we have that around the first Sunday in February, and it talks about missions and all the things that we want to do and faith promises and all the things we want to do. 
And then we plan around that. And then that those next three quarters, we try to fulfill our mission that we've laid out there. So charitable giving, two ways to do that. If you've got IRA money, you don't want it to hit your tax rolls. You can use the QCD, which is the Qualified Charitable Distribution, or you can simply take the money to yourself and then give it to the church and take that as a deduction. But remember that to get that done, you're better off to use the QCD because you've got to get north of that standard deduction now before you get any additional tax advantage. And I understand that a good tax strategy insofar as charitable giving goes is to gift things like required minimum distributions to your favorite charity. Basically, there's a way that you can bypass you and take it directly from your account to theirs. Right. That's what we talk about, the qualified charitable contribution. actual setup. And to get that done, the check's going to need to be written to the charity, not to you. It needs to be a a valid 501c3 nonprofit organization. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify what the QCD really was for folks. Absolutely. We're talking about tax planning here with Randy Floyd, Floyd Financial Group here. The 2024 calendar is going to be in effect in just a couple of days here. We'll continue on. How about health savings accounts, Randy? Right. If people have, uh, you know, high deductible health savings accounts, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers for individuals and all that. But I do know this. It is money you can put away that you can spend for health care over your lifetime tax-free and you'll have enough health expenses to do that. But it's a way to not pay. I mean, especially if you're in a 25 or a 30% tax bracket right now to save as a married couple, the max is 8,300 for $2,300 to save three or $4,000 on that deal. Uh, I'm all about it. Keep it in my pocket and I'll use it for braces, for doctor's office visits, for prescription drugs, whatever it is we might need in the future. And by the way, if you're 55 and older, you get an extra $1,000 on top of that to do catch up. Now, remember, all this is related to your health insurance plan and what your deductible is, but the max is going to be that 83000 for 55 and under, 8300 I should say, for 55 and under, and 9300 for those that are 55 and older. If you have questions about this, consult with your current health insurance agent. If you don't have one and you need to understand more about this, we have Tony Gossard here in the office. We'll get you connected. Randy, for those listeners who have enough money, they do not need to use distributions from equities. Is there a way or should they think about deferring some of that income throughout the year? Sure. If you're a small business person, especially, and you've got some money that's going to come in, I mean, if there's any way to potentially defer it till the next year, or if you're getting really close to retirement, it's where this really makes good sense. If you are, you know, if you've got money, you can defer into the next tax year. When you've retired, that's probably a good thing because you can then just feather in exactly what you need out of your investments to make yourself whole for that next year and live the way you want to, but you won't be paying any additional taxes. You don't stack it up on top of what you've already got out there. So yes, if you can defer income somehow, by all means do that. Now remember, there's this this rule that you have to follow called constructive receipt. Okay. So what is constructive receipt? So let's say, Jeff, that I work for you and you pay me a check for something I did on December 30th. Mm-hmm. And you write the check December 30th, but I decide that I really don't want to claim it this year. Now, I would never do this. Okay. I'll okay. Just say that up front. <laughs> but let's just say that I'm thinking, well, you know, I just won't cash this check until next year. Mm-hmm. And then it'll go on next year's taxes, right? Eh, wrong answer. You had constructive receipt the day, or I did the day you wrote mm-hmm. me the check. So we have to be careful with things of that nature. Well, I'm not going to write you a check, Randy. I'm going to send you a, <laughs> okay. I'm going to send you a Venmo or something like that. <laughs> so it shows that you got it that same year. And let's talk about small business owners. A lot of people out there listening to the program are small business owners. There are deductions that they can take that I think that they overlook. So many people these days work at home. So if you're a small business owner, deducting a home office is a whole lot different than just being a sole proprietor, right? Absolutely. So the thing to think about, and I always told my tax person, you know, I want every deduction that I'm due. I want to pay every red cent that I owe, but not one red cent more. Right. And let's be aggressive. Let's not be fraudulent. Let's just push it to the line. Right. You know, exactly. Gonna, I, is, is, what, is what I want to do, right? Right. And so there's a lot of things. If you got a home office, there's many things you can deduct from, you know, new computers to monitors. I often tell people this too, though. Don't buy it unless you need it. Because okay. sometimes people get hung up in this thing of saving tax dollars and they end up with four of something they needed one of. Right, <laughs> you know, right, right. Or something like that. So there's a lot of things that you can do as a small business owner. If you have the need for a car and can justify it. There's big savings on taxes buying vehicles. I have a close relative of mine who happens to have one of these type businesses. And he said, 
you know, Randy says, I really don't need a third pickup. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do <laughs> this year. <laughs> so, I, so I said, well, talk to your tax person. <laughs> right. But uh, there's just so many things that you can do with the, with the purchase of a vehicle or the writing off of your fuel and part of your insurance and maintenance and all that. If you've had a really good year and there's certain things that you can prepay, for instance, like us here, we have what's called errors and omissions insurance. Well, our errors and omissions insurance is probably $12,000 a year. If you've been paying that by the month, let's say you had something similar, you got a recurring bill that's that's a business expense. If you've been paying it by the month and you've had a really great year and you want the additional tax deduction on this year, go ahead and pay the lump sum this year. Now, you won't get the deduction next year, but it might help you stay out of the next bracket up this year. So there's always lots of moving targets and a lot of things to look at. And so that's why I always tell people the best thing to do is let's not get to December again where it's a foregone conclusion. Let's start in January. Let's begin with the end in mind and think about what's important to us, what we want to fund, what we might need, and how we can spend that money efficiently and save tax money. And as far as that home office goes, uh, Randy, I have an office in my home that I use exclusively for business. It's a converted bedroom, but I have a 2,000 square foot house. Let's say that the office is 200 feet. That's how you would figure that out to figure out, you know, how much you're going to be able to deduct for that home office. But again, the home office is not used for anything but business. So consider that. And I will uh, say this about this entire conversation. Any particular questions that you have, consult with your certified public accountant. If you don't have one of those, consult with whoever it is that does your taxes. But again, there are a lot of things that you can do to save on taxes if you begin here at the beginning of the year. We're talking with Randy Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. And if you're listening to the program, you have questions that I want you to request your no cost, no obligation, no judgment. Flight Financial Group Retirement Review by calling 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Boy, Randy, you talk about things you could do here before the end of the year. That would probably be a pretty good thing to do. Call that number this weekend. Leave your information. Ashley will give you a call back probably on Tuesday. She'll be celebrating New Year's Day on Monday, and she'll schedule a a time for you to come and have a conversation with Jake or Randy to create a path towards a successful retirement. Just a casual conversation to get your questions answered with no cost, no obligation, and no judgment. Again, that number to call 417-889-7233. You could also request your conversation online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break. Randy, We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. We're back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money radio with your hosts, Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shane. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy. You're listening to Show Me the Money, and in this segment, we're going to be talking about eight mistakes that can upend retirement plans. And Randy, pursuing your retirement dreams is pretty challenging enough without making some common and very avoidable mistakes. So let's talk about eight big mistakes to steer clear of if possible. The first one is not having any strategy or no plan at all. That is a big mistake. I think maybe the biggest. Yeah. And you know, Jeff, I I would agree with that. And here's the thing that I would say. Most of the people listening to this program are probably going to be 45 and older is going to be my guess. But there's going to be a few youngsters out there in their 20s and 30s that are going to hear some of this, or they may hear it from their folks. And that is, it is never too early to start thinking about this. I remember growing up and I would look at my grandpa and he was retired. It never really dawned on me that he had to do some things and plan to get there. It just never dawned on me, you know, as I got into corporate America and started saving in a 401k plan and started hearing about this thing called retirement. I think the other thing is, too, if you think about it, Jeff, retirement is still a fairly new concept, even for our whole society here. Yeah. I mean, people generally, they worked on a farm or something like that. Then one day they were pushing up daisies, right? Right. It was kind of over. One day they Uh, were planting daisies, (laughs) the next day they were pushing them up from the other side. Yeah, I got you. That's what you call good fertilizer. But Uh, anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So having no strategy, yes, is probably the worst thing. And and again, I want to say it's never too early to start thinking about this. The other thing is, too, is we're not very good in this country at at really getting people to prepare. We got the 401k plan now. Uh, Very few have a pension out there. But really, the 401k plan, you start putting money in there, you kind of set it, and you kind of forget it, and it's kind of out there, but it really doesn't mean anything to you. I'm telling you, people, what you need to do is sit down with somebody, whether it's me or somebody else that's qualified to do this, 
Sit down, see where you are, see what kind of income you have, look at what your social security projections are going to be, look at what decent returns looking forward and historical averages, see what your nest egg is going to look like, because what we don't want to do is get too close to retirement within five or ten years and say, wow, we're not going to make it unless we really turn up the heat here. And so we got to get to work. Mm -hmm. Let's make this easy because time and money, you know, those things work together in a compounding effect. And I don't see why everybody wouldn't want to have a plan or begin this plan because we're offering it at no cost. That is right, entirely free and no obligation by calling 417-889-7233. So there's no excuse for not beginning the year with a plan. 417-889-7233, no cost and no obligation. Next one uh, is frequent trading, Randy. Yeah, so sometimes, Jeff, there is reason to trade. Other times it's a method for people that are going, okay, I'm going to chase this for a little bit and then I'm going to chase this for a little bit. I'm going to chase this for a little bit. Um, and sometimes it's just kind of like, what's the hot headline uh, that people chase? What sounds good? What kind of makes sense? Recently, we lost uh, Charlie Munger, who was Warren Buffett's business partner for 60 years. And they asked him what his key to success was. He said, well, I just didn't make the same mistakes as everybody else. So he said, I just tried to avoid those things. And so what he said was, we always bought good businesses with good balance sheets. And that's how they have succeeded over the years. And nobody can argue that. Now, there are times to trade and there are times when sector rotation comes in. That means a certain set of sectors has been doing really good, like maybe... And this is not the case right now. I'm just going to pick out a couple of market sectors, technology, maybe oil and gas. And those things will run their course and they will get overbought. And then there's times that we do need to exit certain areas to preserve gains that we've made. But just doing it for the sake of, hey, I need to trade. I've made a little money here and not really getting underneath the hood to understand why really will at the end cost you money. And there's a lot of people say, well, what if I just put a stop loss in? It has been proven that by using stop losses, you generally just cost yourself money. And I think it was Warren Buffett who said time in the market is much more important than timing the market. So consider that when it comes to frequent trading. The next one here is not maximizing tax deferred savings, Randy. Yeah, I agree with that. So, you know, depending on where you are, and what kind of income you have right now will determine how you should be investing. But tax deferred if I can defer a tax for a very long time, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so doing a tax deferred savings, money that would have gone to the government that you get to keep in your pocket, how can you say no to that? Yeah, I don't know how you could. Some people do, but hey, not a wise idea. My, exactly. I told my brother-in-law this when he was getting ready to retire. We helped him for the last six or seven years of his retirement journey. When all was said and done, we looked back at the taxes he didn't pay and the nest egg that he had created, and fully 30% of the money he had in his retirement account was money he would have given to the government. Wow. And it was over $4 million oh that he had there. So when you think about that, that's $1.2 million if he had not done tax-deferred savings that he would not have had to generate income during his retirement years. We're talking about eight mistakes that can upend your retirement with Randy Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. The next one, Randy, I am guilty of, and that is prioritizing college funding over retirement. Yeah, you know, I mean, I understand that people want to help their kids with college and things like that. And it's a wonderful thing if you can do it. However, I do have folks that have crippled themselves right. in their retirement years over trying to leave money for grandkids and kids and, and, you know, all that sort of thing. We all love our kids. You know, there's things we do for our kids we wouldn't do for anybody else. And sometimes we hear what they did. We go, why would you do that? And then they hear what we did. And they said, well, why did you do that? <laughs> you know? And so at the end of the day, I'm not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do for your kids, but I would say this, don't defund or underfund your retirement saving money for your kids to go to college. That's just a mistake for sure and one that you will probably live to regret. And as I said, Randy, we're guilty of that. We didn't want our kids to have student loan debt, so we did fund their college educations at our expense. Now, they're the ones that have the nice houses with the pools and that sort of thing. So we just go visit them every once in a while. But that's not something that you should do. Next one on the list is going to be overlooking health care costs. Boy, is that ever a big one. 
Yeah, that's a big one. You know, you just never know what a day will bring for any of us, for sure. It's been said and, and proven that about 80% of the money you'll spend on health care will occur after age 65. Right. And many, many times that ends up being assisted living, home health care, and things of that nature that, you know, just can't be helped. But we need to think about those things and prepare for them, for sure. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the program. Yeah, and health care costs, along with taxes, they're two of the biggest expenses that you'll ever have in retirement and particularly long-term care. And as you said, that's something we'll talk about in our next segment. Eight mistakes that can up in your retirement. Randy, the next one is not adjusting your investment approach well before retirement. Yeah. So, you know, we've often talked about Mr. Green and Mr. Brown on this show, Jeff, and how, you know, if you're getting, let's say that you get an average 6% return over 25 years on your money, it doesn't matter how those returns fell during each of those 25 years. If the average is six, you could have had a bunch of negative years in the beginning and a bunch of positive at the end or just the opposite thereof, and you end up at the same place. However, when you do retire, it's really, really important that we have ourselves set up in a position to where if we retire into a down market, like we had some people that retired in 2020, Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they retired into some pretty good times followed by some pretty bad times, and they didn't have any control over that. The bottom line is we need to make sure that when we build retirement portfolios and when we're in retirement, we can weather the bad and take advantage of the good. And we've talked about this a lot, and it's not about trying to time the market. It's not about being the greatest soothsayer that says, oh, yep, I can see that this company right over here, it's going to be the one. It's not about that. It's about building a sound strategy that works in all kinds of financial weather. Next one is retiring with too much debt. And I know there's good debt and bad debt, but let's talk about that generally. You know, if you ask my wife, there's no such thing as good debt. (laughs) Well, she's probably right, you know, and that's okay for her personality. She doesn't want a mortgage, but I understand completely. But some other people may have a different idea that mortgages might be good debt. But yeah, I'll let you take it from here. We had a mortgage on this building here, which I thought was good debt because it gave us a really good place to practice from and and people. And we have enjoyed this office building for many years now. So for sure, if we can get rid of debt and get rid of recurring monthly payments, cash is king and cash flow is where it's at. So if you've got plenty of positive cash flow and low debt, low recurring payments going out, you're going to be much happier than you are if you're right up to the neck each and every month. If you haven't really sat down to look at where you are and what your debt looks like and what that nut is each month on actual debt payments versus just straight up living expenses like, you know, utilities and food and, you know, all those sorts of things. You really should do that, and that's something that we can help with here if people would like to have some help to kind of see where they are and develop a plan to get to a very, very good spot. You know, one of the things that my wife has always said, when we retire, we will have no debt. I'm like, yes, that's right, honey. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Just agree with it. Your life's going to be so much better if you just agree with everything that she says. But I think that, you know, good debt might be a mortgage. It may be a mortgage if that mortgage is like two and a half under three percent, something like that. And you can take that money that you would have used to pay off the mortgage and use it to uh, invest someplace else and maybe get five or six percent. But again, this is a very, very personal thing as far as debt goes. And I think what you're talking about is credit card debt, maybe car loans, personal loans, that sort of thing. Let's wrap it all up with, you know, it's not only about the money, Randy. Yeah, that's for sure. As I get older, I can see that. And, I, and I've and i watched it over the years with my clients. People that maintain a healthy lifestyle, they walk, cycle, swim, hunt, fish, play golf, mm-hmm. garden, whatever it is they like to do. If they stay active, stay involved, keep moving, keep engaged intellectually, right. they just do much better in retirement. Uh, as Pastor John from church says, number one, they just get weird. <laughs> and number and number two, they aren't with us very long because right. sitting around, you know, they're saying that sitting is the new smoking. And you know, I, I believe it. I mean, probably the time that I'd feel my worst, and I don't feel bad on, on a given day as a rule, mm-hmm. but I feel my best when I'm moving and shaking and getting things done. 
rather than sitting and not getting those things done. Right. Well, you are an amazing human being, and we've talked many times about all the things that you do before the rest of us even wake up. And I think that you're proof positive when you went to the doctor recently. Didn't you say that the doctor had an assistant or a student or something with them who said, now look at this fellow, look at all of his (laughs) metrics, and this is the reason he is the way he is, is because he exercises. Right. Yeah. He said, yeah. He said, you know, this is just an example of, of how it can be. I'm very blessed. I appreciate, you know, the health that I have for sure. I'm just going to keep going and keep going. I've often told people, I said, you know, my dad, when he was 70, could jump flat-footed out of the back of a pickup still and just go running, you know. (laughs) So then he let a tractor run over him, and that didn't help him any. No, (laughs) there was a downside to that, too. you got (laughs) to look before you leap, as they say. But anyway, also, you're also very socially active with your church and with your friends and with your family, too. So that's one of the big keys to staying healthy during retirement is not only physical exercise, but also mental exercise. If our listeners have questions about the mistakes that can upend their retirement, they want to get in and sit down and talk to you, Randy or Jake, about a retirement that could last 30 years and optimizing that retirement. Once again, we're offering a no cost, no obligation financial review for you. 417-889-7233 is the number to call. 417-889-7233. Now, this is my personal opinion, but it could be the best call that you will make all year. So why don't you end the year off on the right foot by giving us a call and scheduling an appointment here at the beginning of the year to get in and sit down and create this path towards retirement. Once again, that number, 417-889-7233. You can also request your complimentary plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break. Randy, we'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpas, Randy and Jake Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about long-term care that nobody likes to talk about or even likes to hear about or likes to think about, but it is something we all need to explore. Right. And I think the statistics show, Randy, that the majority of us, if we do reach the age of 65, will require some sort of long-term care. And if you're not careful, paying for this long-term care could break you completely. So let's talk about that for a moment here. First of all, let's talk about the costs for long-term care. They really are quite expensive. So, you know, if you look at at the cost of long-term care, so what is long-term care? We probably need to define that a little bit. So basically, we could have some sort of rehabilitative care at home. Now, for the most part, Medicare is going to take care of that. Most rehabilitative therapy, they're going to take care of. But what about when I get to the point to where I have a chronic condition that I'm not going to recover from. That's where long-term care comes in and starts to really get expensive. So if it's something I'm going to recover from, you know, Medicare does a pretty good job there. Other than that, we have to figure out other ways to pay for this thing called long-term care. So for many years, Jeff, I did a seminar, a workshop, if you will, with myself, my daughter-in-law, who was a certified Medicaid planner and an attorney. And we did many, many, many seminars. You know, there's four ways to pay for long-term care. The number one way is out of your hip pocket. So if you're in a nursing home today in the last bastion of sanity, Springfield, Missouri, (laughs) that's about $7,500 to $8,500 a month. Wow. Wow. If you're on the coast, it's closer to ten dollars or $11,000 a month, and most people just can't afford to do that. If it's assisted living, you're somewhere between $3,500, $4,000, and $5,500 to $6,000 a month right here in the last bastion of sanity. Out of the hip pocket, just writing a check is not something that most people are plumb to do. In fact, if you think about it, Jeff, and we'll talk about this in a minute here, how Medicaid and the Veterans Administration may help us. But if you think about it, it's been said that after we reach age 65, there's going to be about, and the government says 70%. I'm going to tell you it's at least 50%. It's half. So if we flipped a coin, heads, it's me, tails, it's you. And if we're going to flip a coin, it's going to be heads, I win, and tails, you lose. Because I'm not going to the nursing home, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that's what everybody says, and I agree with it. Nobody wants to go, but it's certainly something that's going to happen for most of us. But again, out of the hip pocket is one way to pay. The next way is if you were a wartime veteran, and there's some very specific qualifications you have to meet here, Mm -hmm. there's some help from the Veterans Administration 
which can help take a lot of the sting out of it. Maybe as much as $2,500 for a married veteran or thirteen or 1400 for a, a widow or widower of a veteran is what can be reimbursed. It's not a benefit and not like a pension that you just get a paycheck for. It's after you've paid these expenses that are recurring right. uh, that you can get reimbursed for. And like I said, there are some hurdles financially that you have to cross to get there, and it takes some planning ahead of time with some special type of trust to maybe qualify for that. Okay, and that's called aid and attendance. And again, you have to pay for it, and then you get reimbursed, but it doesn't reimburse 100%. As you said, Randy, is it on average maybe $2,500 a month, something like that? For a married veteran. For a married yes, veteran, if it's, okay. If it's single, it's less. If you're single, it's less than that. Okay, that so out. out of pocket is number one. Most people do not plumb to do that. Aid and attendance is number two. If you're a veteran and you do meet some qualifying standards, what is number three? Number three is some type of long-term care insurance. You know, when you look at long-term care insurance, it's been around for a very long time, but boy, it has had its challenges. So let's talk about that. Number one, Bonnie and uh, Clyde buy their long-term okay. care insurance. <laughs> and when they first buy it, they buy $100 a day. They bought it 20 years ago and $100 a day, 3000 a month would pay for a nursing home and anything that you needed. Maybe they even bought some inflation protection on the earth to where today it's paying $6,000 a month. And that's pretty good, but it may still not quite be enough. But along the way, because they bought the inflation protection on there, their premium has quadrupled since they All took right. it out. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, you know what? I don't think I'm going to keep this anymore because I can't afford it. That's one of the common scenarios that we have seen with long-term care insurance of the traditional fashion. Today, there are some newer types of long-term care insurance. You can buy these things by making a single deposit. If you don't ever use it, you get all your money back. If you do use it, it's going to give you a multiple of three to five times what you deposited. There's also life insurance that have long-term care benefits on them that you could look at and explore depending on what your age is. Again, if you never use it as long-term care, the life insurance benefit goes to your kids or to your spouse, but it's there if you need it. And the thing I like about these last choices I'm talking about here is these things never change. The prices don't change. The benefits don't change. Now, that can be a positive or a negative. So when I say that uh, they don't change... The pricing doesn't change, but it also means that your benefit may not change, okay? You may not get much more benefit, so we have to begin with the end in mind on that. But there are better programs today than ever for paying for long-term care. If you haven't looked at them, you should just call us and let's sit down and look at what your options are. No pressure. We're just going to lay it out for you, and if it makes sense, you'll go, yeah, okay, that does make sense, and then we'll do something, and if not... At least we've explored it, and we'll go to our next level of planning, which I'm going to talk about next, which is where Medicaid can take over and actually pay for skilled nursing. I want to be clear on that. It's skilled nursing, not assisted living. So again, the four ways to pay. Out of your hip pocket, some assistance from the VA, some type of long-term care insurance, and it may be that you'll have a combination of these. Maybe you're a veteran, and maybe you buy some long-term care insurance to help bridge the gap between what the VA will pay and what your insurance will pay. But finally, Medicaid is the last resort out there for people that need skilled nursing, and a lot of people say, Medicaid, I thought that was only for people that had no assets, and that is not true. There are asset limits and things in place, but there's also special trusts that we can use that will help protect your assets against the cost of long-term care. And it's something that is in the Medicaid rules. We don't bend any rules. We do everything by the book, just like we do, you know, when you're looking for the VA benefits. We don't actually file for VA benefits. A veteran service officer can help you with that, but we can help position your assets so that you're ready to file. Those are the four ways to pay for long-term care insurance. I will say this, the Medicaid portion, I want to be clear on this. People say, well, I just don't think that the government should pay for my skilled nursing care. Let me say this. If you're 75, 80, 85 years of age, which is where we see most people need Mm -hmm. these benefits, they paid for them their whole life. You just got to qualify to get them. And all we're going to do is show you how to set up your assets so that you can qualify and protect that century-old farm, protect your home, protect your life savings that you want to have for your kids and maybe your grandkids. And we've been doing this type of planning for a very long time. We work with attorneys. We have an attorney, of course, in the building. Elizabeth Floyd is now an attorney and is very well versed as she worked for uh, and with elder law attorneys since 2006 
prior to getting her own license. And again, I want to underline something that you said in case it was missed by people listening, is that there are ways to save the family farm in the state of Missouri if you are needing Medicaid to pay for your medical care. And again, if you've got questions about that, get in touch with Randy there at Floyd Financial Group, 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, and ask about the four ways to pay. Randy, there are a lot of people who need care as a result of Alzheimer's or dementia. Now, if you are in a memory care unit, the cost of that is going to be even more. It can be. Yeah, around here, we still see that seventy-five dollars to $8,500 a month charge for a skilled level. Again, we have to be careful on some of those because some of these uh, assisted living facilities are now taking Alzheimer and dementia payments. And again, I want to be clear, Medicaid does not help to pay for that type of care. You're going to need a VA benefit or some type of insurance on top of that. But if you haven't had a conversation with somebody that understands these things, by all means, we're happy to sit down with people and review with them and show them all the things that might apply to them. I will tell you this much, they will leave here feeling better having had the conversation rather than not. And Randy, not everybody needs to go to a nursing home to have long-term care. Some people have a, a home health aide to come in. Do these strategies apply to that circumstance? If you have the VA, Jeff, and long-term care insurance that will pay for home health care, then yes, those things can help. Okay, and home health care is costly too. Agencies can charge uh, roughly, on average, around the country, around $27 an hour, but it could be uh, more than likely more than that, so consider that as well too. If you're interested in talking about long-term care, how you're going to pay for that, it's a good idea to uh, get that under your belt here at the first part of the year. Call Randy and Jake there at Floyd Financial Group and ask to sit down and talk with him in just a friendly conversation. That number is 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. I would suggest that it is something that you do here at the end of the year in order to get your 2024 off to a good start. Once again, there's no cost, no obligation for this. It's just a casual, friendly conversation between you and Randy and Jake to put you on a path for a retirement that could last as long as 30 years. Once again, that number, call it this weekend if you would, 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Randy, any big New Year's plans? What are you and Lisa going to do? Actually, this year, Jeff, we're going to stay close to home and sit by the fire. There you go. (laughs) That's my plan, too. My wife and I, we will be right here in front of the fireplace. We'll let the young kids have the partying out there. No matter whether or not we stay home or we have a party, 2024 is going to come in just like every other year. So, Anyway, I want to wish our listeners a very happy new year. Thank you so much for listening to us in 2023. And remember that we have a lot of good shows coming up for you in 2024. And if you have missed any of those, remember, we're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd. You'll find this show and all of our past shows so that you can stay on track for a successful retirement. For Randy Floyd and Jake Floyd, I'm Jeff Shade. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. The information provided in the preceding program is for educational purposes only and are not intended as investment advice for any individual or entity. All information contained herein believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representations as to its completeness or accuracy. The opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not constitute financial, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your financial professional before executing any financial strategy. Financial planning offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC, an investment advisor registered in the state of Missouri.